Hey, guys, good to see your bright, shining faces in your places. And we're here to continue this conversation, opening our lives to a hidden wholeness. Let's jump right in by my simply asking, can you both share an excerpt? I was particularly moved by this quote. The deeper our faith, the more doubt we must endure. The deeper our hope, the more prone we are to despair. The deeper our love, the more pain its loss will bring. In the sort of subsequent unpacking of that, he talks about, you know, if we're unable to hold and acknowledge our doubt, despair, and pain, we eventually lose capacity for faith, hope, and love. You know, in a lot of ways, it was a call for capaciousness. I've heard that word, but what does that mean? <laughs> and it essentially means spaciousness on the inside. I just find myself thinking about that over and over and thinking about that I get to make room for both. Yeah. And that I don't have to judge if my despair runs deep. I don't have to self-criticize that. Or if my sense of loss runs deep, it's a reflection of the depth of love that I had of that thing. Yeah. Um, How is that playing out in your life these days? <laughs> I'm sure in <laughs> all of our lives every day, every hour. Yeah. I'm always doing some kind of inquiry through therapy or through books or some kind of study group or something. And my latest iteration of that has been to go back and unlock any stored grief from my childhood. And I've had some health things come up the last couple of years. And so I bump into people who study the relationship between explained and unexplained health issues with trauma and psychological and biological link, the neurobiology of these things. And so I think that I, like most people, don't really want to feel despair, you know, do all kinds of things to distract myself from despair. But this year I've said yes to feeling some childhood despair. And honestly, the truth of it is I am experiencing more hope than I've experienced in a long time. There is this correlation, right? If I allow myself to feel despair, I allow myself to feel doubt at its truest, deepest levels, I do get faith in return, hope in return. You know, when Mother Teresa's journals were released out there, people couldn't believe how much doubt she had. There were those readers who were at some level kind of calling her a fraud. But I think what Parker Palmer is saying is, no, the depths of her doubts were a reflection of the depths of her hope and faith and love. Wow. Do you recognize that, Brittany? I have a lot of feelings about what you just shared, Laurel. A lot of feelings. <laughs> and, oh my gosh. As soon as you read the piece, I started to tear up and I'm like, we are not crying on this podcast, not today. <laughs> oh, well, you... 
<laughs> I really had to confront where is that coming from? Why do you suddenly feel like you need to burst into tears right now? Like, what is that about? I'm a four on the Enneagram for anyone who knows what that is. Laurel and I share fours for status. Go fours. Woo -woo. Yes. Um, <laughs> and, and honestly, when I first discovered that I was a four, I was both horrified and validated at the same time, because I felt like for the first time in my entire life, I had permission to be myself, to feel all the feelings I've gone through a lot of my life, hearing how people who are emotional they're not good leaders. They're not stable. They're all these different things, which stands in complete opposition to my experience in life. But I always felt that I had to work hard to hide specific traits of myself that were highly sensitive, emotional, empathic, because in situations where I was leading or in charge of something, I couldn't share those things because it wasn't good quality. One of the things that I do now when I encounter something that invoke such a strong emotional response. I try to interrogate, where is that coming from? Once you tap onto whatever that thing is, don't try to hide it, sugarcoat it, pull it out in the open and let's deal with it. So it doesn't become this bigger thing, or, you know, you feel the need to fall into a realm of inauthenticity. And what that piece you read there, Laurel is doing to me right now, it's challenging the survival mode that I have slipped into which is you don't have time to feel those things because they will cripple you. Like you're super sensitive to that stuff. So you don't have time to feel it. So it's easier to get rid of the faith so that you don't feel the despair. And I've been feeling that a lot lately with my nephew, with my five-year-old nephew. He's like a son to me. I love that little kid. Anytime I feel like there's some kind of separation happening, that it literally weighs on my mind and on my heart in a way that is exhausting which is evidence of my love for him, but it has the ability to stop me from functioning. And in an effort to not feel the negative effects of that, I try to back off on the positive side of that. And it's all about survival. The last couple of years have been filled with a lot of loss. And I know not just for me, people we know and people around the world have experienced so much loss and it gets to a point where you feel like I can't take any more of these feelings or else I will fall apart. And I think my response in survival mode space has been to try to cut off as many of those feelings as possible. And what I didn't realize I was doing until you read that was in trying to manage the doubt, the fear, the doom, the sadness, all those things, you're cutting off the hope, the joy, the love. The body may survive, the mind may survive, but a piece of the soul dies. And what happens when, when that happens, how do you regain that? Can you bring that back to life? I actually wish more people were like Mother Teresa, Laurel, mm -hmm. and that they were more honest about the doubt that comes with the faith and the pain that comes with the love. Because I feel like in not showing the reality of what it looks like to live in both of those things, I think we're doing the human soul, the humanity of who we are a disservice. Um, that's my thought behind what you said. I'm going to sit with that one all day. I, <laughs> wow, that rocked me. <laughs> you guys are scaring me because uh, I'm not used to talking about feelings. <laughs> <laughs> Laurel and I could talk about feelings all day.
I need, like I said, I'm gonna be sitting with that one all day. Um, <laughs> so I'm at, my, my passage is gonna be a little long, so bear with me. Um, it's the last chapter, the beginning of the last chapter, actually. Silence and laughter may seem like strange bedfellows, but experience reveals that they are not. What, for example, do we call people who spend hours together in silence without feeling awkward or tense and who use humor to help each other through hard times? We call them, of course, good friends. It takes good friends to sustain silence and laughter because both make us vulnerable. Silence makes us vulnerable because when we stop making noise, we lose control. Who knows what thoughts or feelings might arise if we turned off the television or stopped yammering for a while. Laughter makes us vulnerable because it often comes in response to our flaws and foibles. Who knows how foolish we might look when we joke, when the joke is on us. We can share silence and laughter only when we trust each other. And the more often we share them, the deeper our trust grows. The soul loves silence because it is shy and silence helps it feel safe. The soul loves laughter because it seeks truth and laughter often reveals reality. But above all, the soul loves life and both silence and laughter are life-giving. Perhaps this is why we have another name for people who can share silence and laughter with equal ease. We call them soulmates. Mm. How have you experienced silence have you had personal experience with people offering you silence in a way that has met you? Actually, I have a I have a really beautiful one. Actually, I have a couple of examples I'll share, but I'll start with this one. I have a group of girlfriends that I met between sophomore year in high school and freshman year of college. And we are all adults now. We're all still friends to this day. We've all scattered. Most of us have come back to Georgia. One of us lives in um, Ethiopia and the other one of us lives in, uh, I think Elena just moved to New Mexico. Well, I never remember <laughs> where Elena lives. So if she ever listens to this, I still, I love you, hon. I just can't keep up with your military husband and where y'all be moving to. Um, <laughs> um, but... <laughs> But the rest of us are are here back in Atlanta. And uh, I'll never forget the day I remember thinking, these are my sisters for life. I grew up like pretty separated from my blood family. My um my mom's side of the family is in is in the UK. Everybody's there. My dad's family's in St. Thomas. I've only like met that side of the family once. So a lot of my family has been adopted to me through over the years. And um, my uncle, Tim, my mom's like adopted baby brother, but he was like, no, 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 this is my uncle. This is, this is my bud. And I grew up with him. Um, he was just a fixture in our family. Whenever I was in a rough space, having a hard time, I'd call uncle Tim. He was just like my for real uncle to me. And he passed away suddenly my sophomore year or junior year in college. It was totally devastating. It wrecked me for a very, very long time. And when he died, my friends, my girlfriends, they came over to my apartment. They just came over and just sat there. You know, our American culture, if we're used to being like, you're going to be fine. Everything's going to be okay. I'm so sorry for your loss. But, you know, they're just trying to bring in, like, let's figure out a way to lift the mood. You know, let's figure out a way to make this space feel better because it's very sad. It's very heavy. And I'll never forget, she said, 
It is not our job to make her feel better. It is our job to be here. And so we will sit here until she feels like doing something, even if it's quiet. We literally sat in silence for like an hour. Nobody talked, nobody did anything. We were just there. And when I felt like talking and saying something, I talked. And then we just sat there a little longer. And it was the first time in my whole life where I experienced what it felt like to be in a room with people where my soul felt safe enough to just be broken, number one, but also say nothing and not feel the need to make anybody else feel comfortable by feeling the silence or feeling the space. That was, I think, my first real experience with not only true friendship, but also the beauty and the power of silence. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that story. an introvert pretending to be an extrovert (laughs) because even though I can be out there with people I'm super bubbly I'm super all these things but my happy space often is like alone in the quiet by myself you know I can be alone all day listening to a podcast or something in my own space and be totally fine like I don't need a lot of people activity to be happy very often even though I also need people activity to be happy. But when I get around people, I feel the need to activate, entertain and like be on and all this stuff. And it is exhausting. Mm. (laughs) And so I have learned that the people that I can be around and not feel like I have to do that are my true people. Where if Brittany's in a room and she's being quiet, there's nothing wrong with her. This is also just who she is. And people who are only used to seeing the activated extrovert version of me don't get that version of me. And because I don't want to have to explain that to people I'm not in true community with, I often don't even give them a chance to see that side of me. But for people who feel really soul connected to, I can sit in a room and not say anything. And I know they're going to be okay with that. It's not going to unnerve them. (laughs) They're not going to think there's something wrong. So I really appreciate that even laughing, when you think about the level of honesty it takes to truly laugh about something, not like the fake laugh, but when something is funny and you laugh from your gut, you can't lie about that. And that kind of laughter, I feel like can only be really triggered with people you're super close to. Well, guys, thank you for this generous conversation. Why don't we conclude, as Parker Palmer did, I referenced it earlier, the Mary Oliver poem is entitled When Death Comes, but I'll just read it aloud in closing of our conversation today. And we're on quite a Mary Oliver kick, Brittany. We've had like the third episode where yeah. Mary Oliver's coming up. <laughs> Love her so much. She's yes. always the right thing. Mary yeah, Oliver's so, always the right thing. Yeah, if any of our listeners still don't know who she is, y'all got to check her out. So... This is what Mary testified to. 
And therefore I look upon everything as a brotherhood and a sisterhood. And I look upon time as no more than an idea. And I consider eternity as another possibility. And I think of each life as a flower, as common as a field daisy, and as singular. And each name a comfortable music in the mouth, tending as all music does towards silence. And each body a lion of courage, and something precious to the earth. When it's over, I want to say all my life, I was a bride married to amazement. I was the bridegroom, taking the world into my arms. When it's over, I don't want to wonder if I've made of my life something particular and real. I don't want to find myself sighing and frightened or full of argument. I don't want to end up simply having visited this world. Thank you, Laurel. Thank you, Brittany. Dear friends, here ends our third and final episode opening our lives to Parker Palmer's A Hidden Wholeness, which is available on numerous bookselling platforms. We're so grateful for Laurel Justice and her participation. The music you're hearing in this episode is the song Happiness from Peo Alfonsi's album entitled Itica, which is available on your preferred music streaming platform. You can find other life-opening articles and news about upcoming Nexus virtual events on our website at nexusonline.org. Peace! <laughs>